0: Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Thailand Podcast. Podcast brought to you by the wheel. I am your resident Creed Bratton, Adam Hess, and with me as always our resident Pam Beasley, Mike Oily Hips Regan. Mike Oily Hips Regan, how are you doing today?
1: Pam Beasley's not too bad. I thought you were gonna say Kevin. Thought you're gonna call me a fat buck. You're not good enough at math. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. I'm currently attempting to drink a C4 energy, except my fridge temperature apparently was set way too cold because it's slightly slushy at the top.
0: That's uh, your fault for trying to drink. I think that's Jake Paul's jizz. Is that how that works? That's prime. Oh, idiot. I wouldn't know because I drink adult beverages, not a uh, not your teenage energy drink bullshit.
1: Okay, just because it's Skittle do flavored you, C4 do you, uh... doesn't make me a child. <laughs> Right. Do you,
0: like, dip pizza crust in there or something? No, we did have pizza last night, though. Mm, fucking children, man. Fucking children.
1: Hey, that the place we got pizza from has a uh, plant-based. So,
0: next time you're in town, eh? So this is our sports podcast where we talk about sports and not about pizza. <laughs> well, you're talking about pizza. We do a whole pizza segment. No, because then I have to edit out the pizza. That's the problem with talking about pizza, is that I have to do all the pizza editing.
1: Cities with the worst pizza, Chicago.
0: <laughs> you ain't wrong, man. Deep dish? It's just soup. It's overrated. Especially when you get vegan deep dish. It's just soup with bad cheese on top. It's disgusting. Just like the 76ers
1: performance at trying to cherry James Harden. (laughs) Now that
0: I love, I love the SEO title that the athletic does for this article I put in our doc where they went James dash Harden dash 76ers dash retire dash trade. For those of you who aren't abreast of the situation, James Harden requested to trade to the Clippers. Daryl Morey said the trade would happen quickly. Then he pulled James Harden off the market. James Harden called Daryl Morey a liar sometimes. And said he would never play for the 76ers again. And James Harden held true on that through, I believe, one offseason practice before he came back and started playing again. Now he is talking to the media about how it is like a marriage where you lose trust. And he doesn't trust Daryl Morey anymore. You know, the guy who's the reason that anyone knows who James Harden is. So... James Harden is once again demanding out, says that he won't play for a Daryl Morey team, and we are vast, vastly, fastly approaching the NBA season. With James Harden still on the 76ers, Mike, come October 24th, opening night, when the Sixers, I don't think, play, but come October 24th, is James Harden going to be on the 76ers? He's going to be playing for the Shanghai
1: Dragons. No, I'm just kidding. Uh... October 24th he'll be on the team will he be playing I don't know I really need someone to do the edit of the big fight towards the end of marriage story with James Harden and Daryl Morey's faces on it
0: yeah that's on you I got I gotta edit a podcast after this I'll get to work on that one (laughs) yeah I this might be the most fascinating thing going into the start of the NBA season Wow, most fascinating. Yeah, like, true tape heads, people who really love the game, on like Coach Prime students, are probably excited to see Victor Wimbayama or to see how the new look Portland plays, the new look Milwaukee plays. OKC team with Chet Holmgren. I literally just want to see the starting lineup for the Philadelphia 76ers. I'll be there 30 minutes before the game to see what happens.
1: Well, if you're the seventy sixers, you can't. You don't really want to bench him, or like want him to not play. You not even taking the wins into account. But if you still want to trade him, you'd like him to ball out and try to get the Clippers to pull their finger out of their ass and up their offer. I know the article said it, apparently they're trying to get more assets to increase
0: the offer. Yeah, that, which you know, good on the Clippers. But here's here's the problem: is that I don't think Daryl Moore is going to do this trade for a bunch of picks. I think if Daryl Morey is going to do this trade, they're going to want Paul George back or Kawhi Leonard back. Probably not Russ.
1: Not superstar
0: Nicholas Batum. Not superstar Nicholas Batum. Because Daryl Morey's thing with the Ben Simmons trade, where he got Harden and now with the Harden trade, is that he wants to win a championship, which he hasn't done. Congratulations on that cryptocurrency money, bud. But he wants to win a championship and he refuses to trade these players and decrease the Sixers' odds of winning a championship. So when you're talking about where is he going to trade James Harden, he's going to trade James Harden to a team that's going to trade him back a star player. And why would the Clippers want to switch out Paul George for James Harden? Go after
1: some picks then that you could flip later and see if you can get like maybe a Bones Highland, somebody else who can at least play a role.
0: What is with you in Bones Highland? He's like the ninth man on a middling team. He hasn't got his time yet.
1: Put put him next to Embiid and just watch him cook. Embiid just wide open in the post, waiting for someone to dish him the ball, and Bones is just waving him
0: off. (laughs) This is such an insane take. Bones Highland is, like, fine. Also, there was a report yesterday that the Clippers
1: actually had offered more to Portland for Drew than they are currently offering for James Harden. Yeah, but,
0: I mean... Okay, yeah, that's a little weird. I don't know. Like, well, there's, but, like, James Harden is discontent everywhere he goes, and Drew just shows up and plays fucking basketball. I kind of get it. Like, if you're Steve Ballmer, do you want a guy on the team who's going to be more of a media headache than the two guys you already have? Yeah, and then you have a guy
1: in the backfield who can make up for, like, the lack of defense from Russ at this point in his career. Backfield? I said back. Oh, did I say backfield? I'm going to say backcourt. Yeah. I've been talking too much about football there, brother. Yeah, my bad. I guess it makes sense, though, because they could have been looking at it saying, we can go after Drew and we can put together a, pra- a trade package that like, the Trailblazers would actually be interested in because they want the picks and the the uh, draft assets.
0: I think that's a fair point. And, you know, it's worth noting that they ended up with a three-way trade and Portland just reaped the benefit of all the young players in it. Mm-hmm. So if it was just like Clippers versus Bucks, I can see that. But if it was Bucks and Suns versus Clippers. Maybe that's why. But yeah, it, you know, if I if I was the, running the Clippers organization and someone said, "Behind door number 1 is Drew Holiday, behind door number 2 is James Harden. Pick a door and that player will be on your team." I think I'd probably pick Drew Holiday. I mean, just for a drama standpoint, yeah, I'll go ahead and just take
1: Drew, like you said, who shows up, plays basketball, plays defense.
0: He's a good distributor. I mean, like he he yeah. he could play some pure point guard, and you're talking about a team where Drew's going to be like a decent shooter from three, not like, you know, put the fear of God in the defense, but he'll hit shots. and you have your two forwards play point forward at different times. You have Russ already there. I think John Wall's still on that team. So you got people that can handle the ball. But just having another guy to throw on there who can guard like one to three, I get it. It also like that's why it worked in
1: Milwaukee, is because he wasn't dependent on to be a big scoring contributor. They had Middleton and they had Giannis, so that was covered as far as your. They had their one and two scoring. And the Bobby ball. Portis. And Bobby Portis Jr.
0: Oh yeah, sorry. I there. I was thinking of the senior one. So thank you for correcting yeah. me. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, I do have to say when it comes to the hardened stuff as fascinating as it is, it's also like the billionth time you've had to deal with this hardened bullshit.
0: So it's getting into like I'm just fucking over it territory. Maybe I would really enjoy soap operas. I mean, I enjoy professional wrestling. So in a way I do enjoy soap operas, but I can watch yeah. this hardened thing <laughs> back time and time again. <laughs> like if we get hardened traded to for argument's sake, uh, just picking a random team out of my head—no real thought behind it—the New York Knicks for Jalen Brunson, and then <laughs> next off season, Harden's complaining about how Tibbs like doesn't play him enough and wants to play too much defense. Gets Tibbs fired, and then Harden demands out. I'll watch it every season until Harden retires.
1: And we make that trade on the condition that once Tibbs get gets fired, it gets reversed, and we get Jalen Brunson back. <laughs>
0: Dylan Brunson will have a ring. He'll come back. Harden can go back to the 76ers, and we can do a whole offseason of this again. I'm down for that. Exactly. All right, Mike, you got uh, any final thoughts? you ready to talk about some Thursday Night Football? They never football. So Thursday Night Football, Kansas City Chiefs win 19-8 over the Broncos of Denver. The closing line on the game was Chiefs minus 10.5, which they covered. The closing over-under was 45.5. The under obviously hit there. What's up, bud?
1: Oh, sorry. I I fell asleep just thinking about this game again. My bad. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The highlights of the game were a 60-yard field goal and Travis Kelsey lateral into Noah Gray. And really, that was kind of it. Some dumb turnovers that went on, uh, both by Russ, who got a pass tipped at the line when he really forced it down. And it got picked off and then by Patrick Mahomes, who had a dude wrapped around his left leg and another dude who was about to hit him and still threw the ball with no lower body in it. And it, it was just like, it was like Justin Simmons was running a go route the opposite direction to catch it. He was like full sprint, grabbed the ball and kept going.
1: I was going to say, we really need to start calling him TV's Noah Gray. No one gets that joke. Everybody gets that joke. I Every time in my head when he, I see his name, all I think is TV's Noah Gray.
0: You don't want to call them, like we can can we at least go like more mainstream like 50 shades of gray? No. <laughs> <laughs> I already I already want to do the Archer reference, so no. How does how does this how does this work into the State Farm cinematic universe? Like every time
1: on the, in all the Kelsey commercials, <laughs> he'll just pop out. And then he could say, it's
0: TV's Noah Gray. Wearing the fucking, like, anatomy suit with <laughs> exactly. all the body parts on it. Okay, yeah. Once again, no one knows what we're talking about. That's the best
1: podcast, they say. It's to totally alienate your, your uh, audience. No, this was a interesting game from the standpoint that Denver's defense finally, like, played a game. I mean, if you get KC to kind of stall on four drives and kick field goals, I call that a, a fucking win. And then the offense just sat on their balls and didn't help them out. Three turnovers, a massive 197 yards of total offense. Javante was the one guy who you could say was kind of cooking. He had like 5.2 a carry on
0: 10 carries, but then he kind of got forced out of the game because they were down late. So I do want to go back to your first point there. I actually think this is more of a, a question of the Chiefs offense. They have not looked good so far this year. They've really looked bad, which I guess I just said. But they went one for four in the red zone on this game, including a, a turnover and two field goals. They, like, so far in the year, they have the 17th ranked red zone efficiency, and in the last three weeks, they've only scored a touchdown on 33% of their red zone possessions. Like, this team has not played well in the red zone specifically, and, you know, and in, in general. They, they haven't looked as good. And I, I kind of can't tell what's necessarily wrong. I mean, they're still kind of feeding Travis Kelsey, but... This is like the same roster they had last year, and they won the Super Bowl. Was, I have. Was, was Juju Smith-Schuster making that big of a difference for this team? Was McCole Hardman really breaking the code on defenses? What the fuck is going wrong with this team? The offensive line is still good. Patrick Mahomes is still there. Travis Kelsey has a new boo. No Taylor Swift talk on this podcast. <laughs> hey, listen, on too many men, on too many men... On the, the episode Too Many Men from this week, they did professional wrestling talk, so now we have to do the Taylor Swift talk. Oh. So I have my theories about this K- KC offense. Let's start
1: with... So you look at it, Travis Kelsey is basically the number one target. Basically. Then, in my opinion, Rashi Rice out of SMU has basically become the number two. And then it's like a combo of Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore as like the third... Target. I mean, who going into the season outside of, as I mentioned, diehard uh, SMU fans would have predicted Rashi Rice becoming important to this team as quickly as he has?
0: Yeah, I kind of thought it was going to be Justin Watson. Exactly. Which brings me to my next point.
1: So, Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey lead the team in percentages of snaps from the slot position. Rashi
0: Rice and who else? Sorry. Kelsey. Okay. Travis Kelsey?
1: Yes, not Jason Kelsey.
0: Okay, just making sure.
1: Thank you for making sure I clarified that would have been confusing. Rice 62.4% on his 93 pass snaps. Kelsey 55.1% on his 158. Obviously his next big chunk of percentage is being are uh, in can't speak today in line snaps, obviously since he's a tight end. Then you go to the guys who get most of the percentages out wide. Justin Watson 67 what?
0: I like Justin Watson. Oh, okay.
1: Sixty seven point six percent of his 136, he's lined up out wide. Versus Denver, how'd that go? Well, 13 plays he was out wide. He had a massive one target. MVS, sixty five point three percent on his hundred and ninety three pass snaps this season. How'd he do against Denver? Well he got lined up twenty two plays out wide and he had a big one target as well. They're not getting everything's to the middle of the field, which in today's NFL isn't bad, but they're not getting helped out because they just have no threat on the outside. They don't have anybody that can go out and beat a cornerback out wide to make a big play. And then it leads to an increased amount of snaps for a guy like Sky Moore that they've now been trying to line up more out wide to give him a shot. Like, fuck it. Let's try somebody. And he's 5'10", 195. No offense, but that
0: guy should primarily be coming out of a slot position. So I think that a good point to kind of latch on here is that it really feels like, like I, I hadn't considered it, but you're right. Because they don't have like an X receiver who can just go like that way and get open. Mm-hmm. For those, I guess, audio podcasts, I gestured forward. Every time they face a team that has like a good secondary, they just don't score that many points. Like I, I just pulled up their record. Like the Lions, who don't have a great secondary, but they have Brian Branch and Tonsi and, uh, Gardner-Johnson. 20 points. Jags, that was a weird game, so I'm kind of throwing that one out regardless. Um, the Bears, they torched. The Jets with Sauce Gardner, 23 points. Vikings, they scored at least four touchdowns in that one. And then the the Broncos with PS2 and Justin Simmons, less than 20 points. So I think there, there's something to be said about how you're right. There's no explosive plays in this offense.
1: Yeah, you know, going into this game... With the way Denver's defense has been struggling, Pat Sertan was just licking his lips.
2: Yeah. Being yeah.
1: like, oh, MVS, you're going to put me up against Marquise Valdez Scantling? Let's let's see how that goes, bud. Also, I got a kick out of you using C.J. Gardner-Johnson's government name.
0: Dude, okay, here's what I don't understand. I feel like last year, everyone called him Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But every other year, it's been C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And so now I've just lashed on to the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson of it all. You're getting Mandela affected. Am I? Yeah.
2: No one's I'm just, you know,
0: I don't follow the rules of you Twitter cultists. I grind my own tape. Call players by my own name. I was going to try to pull off a CJ Stroud one there, but the fuck is CJ Stroud's full name?
1: Yeah, I liked your, I popped reading your Team Town Alone article when you used his, his full name.
0: I used it and I can't remember it. It, it caught me off guard.
1: I was like, "Did he make that up? That can't be what it stands. For. That can't be what it really is."
0: You know what fucks me up about both him and AJ Brown is every time I search for him on databases for stats, you got to put the fucking periods in. I get I it; that. it stands for something. That. Skip the
1: periods, guys. Don't need them. Any website that when you don't punch in the periods or whatever, and they're like, "I have no idea who you're talking about. Who is this player?" I'm so confused. Who is this mythical person? I don't know why the websites are created by wizards in in my scenario. I was
0: thinking, it sounded like Randy Marsh to me, kind of.
1: (laughs) But I I totally agree. Can I pick on Russell Wilson?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm always for picking on Russell Wilson, fucking nerd.
1: So remember, weeks two through four, the defense played so god-awful that... Russ played, like, good games, and we were kind of saying, it isn't entirely his fault, like, these losses. Give him a break. But scenario... <laughs> what just that happened there? <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of starting to flip. Week three versus the Jets, 20-31 for 196. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. So, once again, didn't turn the ball. He did lose. He did have the, the fumble that basically sealed the game. So, that's not great. And he yeah, had three stuck tur- behind,
0: right? That was yeah. Fumble.
1: A scoop and Skorsky, and he had three turnover worthy plays, so he might be lucky that he didn't walk out of there with a pick. And then, most previously, like we said, Casey has a whop- or Denver has a whopping 197 of total offense. Russ had a big old 95 of that and threw two picks. So now it's starting to fall apart for Russ, who once again cannot cook. And Sean Payton might not want to throw shots in the offseason and then come out what. They even have a win yet? No. 1-5, they
0: beat, they beat the Bears. Oh, that's right. They did beat the Bears. They came back and beat the Bears. That was when you were in Chicago. Oh, that is correct. Uh yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. I've been texting in some group chats trying to figure out what specifically is wrong with the Broncos. I went back and watched this game yesterday, and I still couldn't really tell. Like it's hard to see what the receivers are doing downfield. But you're right. Like Russ has the second or sixth longest time to throw in the league in the fourth most sack. So he's just holding on to the fucking ball forever. He has, or the, the offense is 20th ranked in EPA per play, 16th ranked in dropback success rate. It's just, it's such an anemic offense. And some, at some point you have to ask the following question, Mike, is it maybe Sean Payton's fault?
1: Did time pass him by? While he was it, out of the league. I don't did, know. did
0: they like, yeah, did it? So there's this, this old adage that Kobe talks about where Kobe was his entire life, that mama mentality, right? First guy in the gym, last guy out. He was in the gym from like 3 a.m. until 8 at night. Like Kobe had no quitting him. But then after he tore his Achilles, he was never the same. And he talks about that where he's like, it wasn't the injury. It wasn't the muscle fatigue. I, it was just, I was able to get into the gym from 3 a.m. till 8 p.m. every day of my life because it was routine. And as soon as I tore my Achilles and I had that break for 9, 10, 11 months before I could get back in the gym, you just can't build that routine back. And maybe that's what Sean Payton has going on. Maybe Sean Payton spent all those years grinding tape, finding efficiencies, took a year off, and it's just hard to get back into that. I mean, you know, he's old. He's got a beer gut. He's got those chubby little hamster cheeks. Maybe he just wants to sit at home. Did you see the tweet that the Jets threw out after they beat the Broncos? The Jets account
1: tweeted something, I can't remember what it said, but then there was a picture and it had Kevin James as coach picking on the Netflix movie where
0: he portrayed Sean Payton. That's pretty funny. Which is pretty funny. They also gave the game ball to Nate Hackett. I can't believe that we're somehow talking about <laughs> games from last week for our, our preview show.
1: Yeah. Do you want to move on to the next well, thing?
0: Well, I, uh, I did want to to go through here real quick and just read you the Denver Broncos schedule from here on out. And I just want you to tell me win or loss. Okay. Okay. All right. So next week, three twenty-five central time Sunday, October 22nd. So not this week, but the following week at big home against green Bay,
1: big day, the 22nd, something, something else, pretty big drops that day. Oh, is that basky? That's basky baby. wait, Wait, that can't be right. I thought we So we're, we're on the 21st, old.
0: not the 22nd. There you go. Oh, okay. First basket sits on the 21st. There you go. First right. uh, Green Bay.
2: First Green Bay.
1: Should be a dub, but I think that's an L. All
0: right, that's an L. Next week, in mile high against Kansas City. Another L. Bye week, so we're going to skip that. Uh, this one's a W, so we can skip over it, but Monday night at Buffalo. Fat L. Versus Minnesota in mile high. This, I will point out, this is the exact game that Justin Jefferson could have come back for.
1: A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K,
0: L. Versus Cleveland at mile high.
1: I won't do that joke if I call for a dub. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, thank you. First uh, Cleveland at mile high. Great defense there to Brown have. So I'll say L. At
2: Houston. Stroud crowd, baby. L. At LA. Chargers. Yikes. L. <laughs> At Detroit. L. Can I, I'm going to go back and change my Packers one to a win. Okay. <laughs> Verse New England.
1: I'll say win there.
0: Verse LA and mile high. L. And at Oakland or Las, Las Vegas, I guess, to end the season.
1: Vegas got him the first time.
2: They'll get him again. So you have them ending the season going
0: 3 and 14. Is that right? Is that how that, that math tra- works now? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I only gave him two more wins. That yeah. that that tracks in my head. Do you think that Once- gives him
0: the first overall pick?
1: 3-14. and
2: 14. Yes.
0: It will put them
1: up there. Then it could come down to some tiebreakers, I think.
0: Well, better hope that it doesn't come down to a tiebreaker against the Bears, because that's the only team they beat so far.
1: True. And then everybody will be looking back at that Bears loss. Like, obviously, we should have lost that game in, in total hindsight. but It's like one when
0: the, s- that one season when the Jets beat the Rams in like week 17. And that was the difference between them getting uh, Trevor Lawrence and not getting Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. It pushed him from the number one pick to the number two pick. And they ended up with Zach fucking Wilson instead of Trevor Lawrence.
1: Zach fucking Wilson, the MILF man. Here's the deal. One of two things happens in every Broncos game.
0: They either win or lose.
1: Yes. Either the opposing team, Dog walks the D, and they run out to this massive lead, which then Russ looks decent in garbage time, basically. Or it stays close, and then Russ has to fumble. Russ and company are forced to fumble the bag and not put up the points they need to do.
0: They're are a terrible accusing, team. are you accusing Danger Russ of being the Blake Bortles this year?
1: Totally. Whoa, that's some heat uh, coming on the Town Alone podcast. All of his good games have come in games where his defense basically
0: bent over. That is a horrifying mental image. (laughs) All right, Mike. Since we've now spent a good chunk of time talking about Thursday Night Football, let's go ahead and start talking about the NFL action coming up this weekend.
1: Okay. Is that a good read? You want to do a couple more? Yeah. Now I want you to do it like you're, you're trepidatious.
0: Are, like, okay, it's uh, week six or, or seven or eight or maybe week nine. I'm not sure, but I can't do it. You, you do the read. I would do it with an accent. <laughs> I can't do any accents, man. All right. <laughs> so Falcons at Commanders. Commanders at Falcons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Commanders at Falcons. The town alone team taking on the Washington Commanders at Chick-fil-A Stadium. Currently sits Falcons minus two and a half with an over under of 42 and a half. We're going to go ahead, lay out two same game parlays here. Mike, so far on the year, how much money have we made on our same game parlays?
1: What is zero divided by zero? Uh,
0: I don't think you can do that. I'm pretty sure that rips a hole in the universe if you try to do Uh, that. Point being zero. So, this week... Wanted to, to try to find the, the efficiencies. What are the Falcons doing good? What are the Commanders doing bad? Unfortunately, uh, neither one of us have ever watched a Commanders game as far as I know. So there was no real way to tell what the Commanders are doing bad. No real way to tell. Coming into this week, the Falcons still have the league-leading rush defense, currently sitting at negative .248 EPA per rush. So basically every time the team rushes against the Falcons, they are losing a quarter of a point. Brian Robinson's over-under is currently sitting at 58 and a half, which he has topped three times this year, all against bottom 10 rushing defenses. My 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 concerns here going into this week are that this is a make or break game for Washington. Kinda kind of season on the line. It's a loser-leave town match. And, unfortunately, we're going up against Ric Flair. Don't really see this one going great for Washington. What's that I
1: I didn't get picked up on the mic, but I said, "Woo!"
0: Oh, yeah, that did not get picked up on the mic. I
1: don't know why I pulled the mic away for it.
2: (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) stop it. What what is with you in L.A. night today? I I said L.A. twice and you didn't do it, but now... (laughs) My other concern is, is Ritter unlocked, or was that really just a, a one-game anomaly against Houston last week? When, just for a reminder, 328 yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown.
1: I, I don't know if he's totally unlocked, but he showed he did a lot of good things that you, I think people... It adds optimism if you're a Falcons fan or a big Desmond Ritter guy. His ability to... He started getting it out a little quicker, getting it to his weapons, his star players which is, are all very good signs, and he's not turning the ball over.
0: Yeah, he actually threw the ball to Kyle Pitts, which is a mm-hmm. huge boon for the fantasy football community. Yes. Something he never yeah. expected, them to throw the ball to their number four overall pick at tight end.
1: Yeah. And to comment on your point about their uh, Atlanta's run defense, it's one of those scenarios where – like average yards per game does not tell the correct story cuz they're like middle of the pack in the in the NFL but when you look more at it they are actually a good run defense you know because if you just average it then you're letting outliers have a bigger impact
0: on that number fucking Michael Lewis out here, eh? Oh wait, wait, wait. It wasn't Michael Lewis who wrote that book. Who's the guy? The <laughs> The really bad guy. <laughs> that really bad guy, you know? The, the the like really annoying guy. He works for the New York Post, writes a ton of books that are like... <laughs> they, they sell a lot of copies, and he pats himself on the back about it. You think
1: I read the New York Post? I don't think you read. Exactly.
0: Mal- Malcolm Gladwell.
2: Well... <laughs>
1: So this this uh, this this commie's defense kind of falling apart. Do you think Ooh, it's yeah. is it just a matter of teams are keying in on the weakness of, of of um uh um oh my god Emmanuel Forbes who by the way pretty rough he's given up four hundred and one yards allowed this season second place is St Juiced with one hundred and seventy pretty big
0: gap. Yeah, yeah it uh. You know, the big plug for team talent alone, where I talked a lot about my my thoughts on how defense works and the problems with planning around defense. This commander's team walked in this year saying, our defense will be great. We just need our offense to be okay. And that has not worked out. The offense has been okay, but the defense has been terrible. And part of that problem is that offenses can just key in on players that are playing poorly and pick on them. And Jack Del Rio's kind of lost a step. He's not calling anything creative so teams know what's going on if you see Forbes lined up against a guy and two safeties deep there's no stunt into cover three it's just Forbes is lined up on a guy and the safety is going to come over and help if the route goes deep but Forbes is just getting fucking killed man I mean he's been terrible once again went one pick before Christian Gonzalez uh, Emmanuel Forbes and like you, you just get the stat about how much he's given up this season. But just in the last two games, he's given up 273 yards and two touchdowns, and he got benched against Chicago. Like he gave up that amount, didn't play a full game against Chicago. So it is not looking great for the Washington secondary, and we're coming off a week where Ritter was his hottest at passing that he's been in his NFL career. We're kind of getting to the point. Where the commander's defense is turning into one of those, like, boost strips in uh, F-Zero. Like, those little, like, rainbow things on the side that you go down, and you get, like, the nitrous, and then you... You ever play F-Zero? Falcon Punch? Yeah, that guy. Okay. There you go. No, i never played it. But it, the teams are just a- able to boost the whole time they're against this defense right now. Especially big-body receivers, which luckily... Drake London and Emmanuel Forbes are a little closer in weight than A.J. Brown and Emmanuel Forbes. But still don't feel great about it. I think that we could see Drake London have a big day. I think that if we're unfortunate enough to continue lining up linebackers against tight ends, we could see Janu Smith and Kyle Pitts have a big day. And I think that with all of that going on, uh, we probably see a light workload from Washington's rush defense because I think the the Falcons might run up the score
1: and and not to spend a lot of you know predominantly talk about Washington I know sometimes we have a habit with our teams like Buffalo or Washington we can go off a little bit and talk about them a lot but if people have a problem with it start your own fucking podcast if you want to hear about like the Tennessee Titans not my problem but I ranted and lost my point <laughs> this is karma if there ever was karma oh yeah so you've Probably watched more of the all twenty-two of Washington than I have. Is Del Rio? I've watched e- some of it. Is that what you some mean? It? Yeah. Is Del Rio even as simple as it sounds? Trying to disguise his coverage better,
0: like on the line, he'll have guys drop back sometimes. But no, like in in the secondary, it's kind. Of, you're kind of running your base stuff. I mean, you know, it was the hot button term a few years ago. But he's running like shells sometimes. He loves to play cam curl in the box, so. We're running out there with Derek Forrest as like a single high safety. And he has Emmanuel Forbes and St. Juice playing a lot of man coverage, which I know you, having played against you in Madden, love man coverage. But when it's not working out for your team, maybe you stop calling it so much. Yeah.
1: And now on the other side of the ball, looking at the coverage for Atlanta, Hal's probably going to be in for a rough day. Jesse Bates, D. Alford, even AJ Terrell, if you want to throw his name in there, that's not a easy bunch to to go up against
0: yeah and the respite against the falcons has been that their pass rush hasn't been elite it's been around the middle of the league but this washington offensive line is just dog shit and sam Howell loves to hold on to the ball he has a, a typically pretty long time to throw. last time i checked it was like 272 which was about three tenths of a second over league average And that's causing a ton of sacks. I mean, he's leading the league in sacks right now, and it's not particularly close. Once again, last time I checked, it was 29 sacks, and second place was like 22, 19, something like that. So when your weakness is pass rush and your strength is secondary, going against a quarterback who throws or holds onto the ball for a long time is a really good thing for you. There's going to be a ton of covered sacks. There's going to be a ton of times where Hal holds onto the ball, holds onto the ball, holds onto the ball, tries to take off and gets one arm tackled by a defensive lineman. Seen that a lot, too. And if we see this defense call a few delayed blitzes from the the linebacking group, because Howell isn't enough of a threat to run, I think we could really see a rough day for Howell.
1: Yeah, and I like the one point you made, because I have it written down here when talking about the Falcons secondary, that it could help Atlanta's pass rush get home more than often. A coverage sack, as some would call it, because they'll have a little bit more time give a little more flowers to Jesse Bates I feel like in a safety you want a guy who's well-rounded you can keep keep him on the field a lot and Jesse Bates also has a great ability to come down and be effective in the run run defense as well
0: yeah I had this on my notes last week but we didn't get to it uh on our, our reaction pod on Monday but I think Jesse Bates is an all pro this year he's been so good
1: I know everybody's all like,
0: ooh, pass rushers,
1: big sacks, strips. And those are great. I love them. But nothing gets me more hyped than seeing like a safety just come down and lay the boom or a safety break on a route, make a big play.
0: That shit gets me going. What's with white dudes on podcasts loving safeties? Why is that a thing? Because I also do. Yeah. Just, well. It's like the white guy's favorite position is safety. Yeah. I I
1: mean, Notre Dame fan, Harrison Smith, he's a monster for a couple of years there.
0: And he's a white guy safety. Really. really
1: Yeah. Also Eric Weddle,
0: another white guy safety.
1: Yeah. And while it's not really the case anymore due to age and injuries for a minute there, the bills had arguably the best safety duo in the league with Poyer
0: and Hyde. It's still arguably the best safety duo. I mean, like you said, injuries, but pretty good safety duo. Mm -hmm. So somehow we're talking about, Retired safeties and safeties on the Vikings and safeties on the bills. Um, let's, uh, let's get into our actual bets here. Yeah. So one note, I didn't, I didn't throw out there, but I did want to get to, as this is a make or break game for Washington. I think that they really let Eric be enemy, take the training wheels off and come out with like an excellent opening script. Mm-hmm. But then I, I think that we start seeing the covered sacks happen. Sam Howell showing his weaknesses. So I do have over nine and a half total points for the commanders in the first half. Like I said before, I think the Falcons are going to get ahead, and I think that that's going to hurt the commander's ability to run the ball. So I have Brian Robinson under 58.5, also taking into account that the Falcons' rushing defense is very good. If we see Emmanuel Forbes against Drake London, this one's a gimme, but otherwise I'm, I, I will be sweating this one out a little bit. Drake London over 45.5, kind of betting on the. Desmond Ritter, continued dominance, being the best quarterback in the league. Desmond Ritter, over one and a half. And I think Atlanta covers the spread at minus two and a half. So once again, my bet. Brian Robinson, under 58 and a half. Drake London, over 45 and a half. Over nine and a half first half points for the commies. Desmond Ritter, over one and a half passing touchdowns. And the Atlanta Falcons, minus two and a half on the spread. It gets me to plus 2,261. Ooh, you actually beat me on the odds
1: this week. You're higher. But I, I only did four legs. Sounds like you did five, right? Yeah. Okay. So my SGP has some similar. Well, specifically it has one big similar thing, which I'll get to in a moment. First of all, I think minus two and a half is spot on line-wise. It, I think the uh that little home field boost most like teams will get by um betters. Minus two and a half, spot on. I took that, it's minus one ten. I also because of the Forbes and the St. Just, et cetera, I think we could get a repeat repeat performance of, of from Ritter, or at least a pretty good performance. I have him 225 or more yards. That's plus 162. I kind of like those odds there. Threw it in the parlay. Next, I also have Drake London. I think he's going to have a good day. I went a little higher instead of just taking the over. I went ahead and did 50 or more and got that at plus 104 as well. Toss that in there. And then lastly, because of the great coverage in secondary of the Falcons, it could, it's going to give Hal some problems. I have him, once again, targeting Logan, Logan Thomas a lot. So I have Logan Thomas for plus receptions at minus 148. I think that's just going to happen. He's either going to be like, shit, no one's open. I'm going to throw to Thomas, or it's going to be, dear God, no one's open, and now I have an edge rusher that's you know coming for me dump it off to to Logan Thompson over the
0: middle on a little curl or some shit way to call him by the goalie's name there uh so yeah Logan Thomas (laughs) Logan Thomas is like Sam Howell's favorite target like if if you put a gun to Sam Howell's head which I would not suggest and asked him you could throw the ball to one person who's it gonna be he would blurt out Logan Thomas he's fucking looking for that guy on every play so I do like that I hope your parlay loses but purely because I hope that Drake London gets 49 yards. So I look smart and you look dumb. That
1: would be the story of my life. That would most likely happen. So my total odds with the four legs, surprisingly, I think for the first time in history, since we've started doing the segment coming under you plus 1179. Once again, shout out, drop that fan 30% boost token to get it up to 1533. So once again, Falcon's my Falcons minus two and a half Ritter, Two hundred and twenty five or more yards, London, fifty or more yards. and then Logan Thomas, four or more receptions.
0: yeah, I, you and I are basically on the same sides of everything. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. with the Falcons stuff out of the way, let's talk about some other games coming up this week. First off, we'll start here. Both of us pick the same game of the week. That is the Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday night. It opened with an over-under of 46.5, now sits at 51.5, which is a massive over-under. Opened Chargers minus one, which is stupid, and now sits at Dallas minus two and a half, which is less stupid. Mike, I want to go through some storylines going into this game. Hey,
1: so I went above and beyond this week, and I wrote down every game this week. And under every game, not saying we're going to get to every one, but just in case we go off and spend a little more time on all the games. And under each one, I have a storyline.
0: Oh, look at that. I love it. it. All right, let's see if our our storylines overlap here. So for the Cowboys-Chargers game, the storyline I have, well, two storylines, is this like a minus 130 favorite to have the dumbest coaching decision of the week?
1: Daly keeps getting these matchups against other either questionable or very poor coaches. (laughs)
0: Like, yeah, we need... I, I haven't looked at the Chargers schedule, but we need him to play against... Uh, Robert Sala and Josh McDaniels in a three-way match in week 17. How funny is
1: it that we literally were watching football together and had this conversation of worst cube, like bottom 10 coaches, worst coaches in the league. And then unbeknownst that the NFL schedule apparently set out to try to help us make those rankings.
0: Yeah. Cause I think that I specifically said, you can't put McCarthy in that tier because he has, like, a Super Bowl, and we'll see. And then he's been kind of bad. I'm, like, further than kind of bad. Like, Kellen mm-hmm. Moore looks like the dumbest loss all season so far. Like, Kellen Moore's been calling a really good offense for L.A., and at the same time, Mike McCarthy's offense has looked really anemic the last couple of weeks. Better Which, or worse? No, go ahead.
1: I was going to better or worse than Jason Garrett.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough call. It's a tough call, but it's hard to get worse than Jason Garrett.
1: His his face on NBC, like when they cut when they go to the studio, creeps the sh- It's so fucking creepy.
0: He also talks like they just pulled him out of the audience. Like he was on the prices right, but no one told him that he was gonna get picked. With that smile, it is like so excited to be here. This is so great. So cool. So cool. So the other the other storyline I have for this is this is the Kellen Moore revenge game. Dallas fires Kellen Moore this offseason. Lofts all of the blame for losing to the 49ers in the playoffs on him. And he immediately goes to L.A. and starts lining it up with Justin Herbert, yeah. who is still, despite having a bye, the highest scoring fantasy quarterback so far this year. Mike, what I'm watching for in this game is if Dak and the Dallas passing offense will be again bad against the Chargers kind of depleted secondary. So notable things for the secondary is that they traded away J.C. Jackson to the Patriots for absolutely nothing. The quarterbacks playing against the Chargers have the 7th best EPA per dropback so far this season, which is like if you turned every quarterback that played against the Chargers into Stroud crowd. And Dak has four picks so far on the season – but three of those came against San Francisco. So if you throw out the San Francisco game, he's looked pretty good. Pretty good. The other thing I'm looking for is will Dallas's defense get cooked again? They have looked unstoppable against bad quarterbacks and bad against unstoppable offenses.
1: I have a similar first little storyline nugget written down here is that it is a good defense in Dallas looking to bounce back after getting trounced by them Niners. And on the and other side,
0: before by Arizona two yes. weeks in a row, got trounced
1: Dose weeks. And on the other side, you have a weapons filled chargers offense that is consistently trying to avoid their head coach getting in the way. <laughs> and I wholeheartedly believe that. So it's, it's going to be an interesting game. I think reactions for, is, to me, this kind of feels like a big game for going forward for these teams and how their season could end up playing out. I think if Dallas loses, knowing how Dallas fans and the media react to these things, the sky will be falling in Dallas. Season is over. How can these Cowboys figure it out? There'll be storylines coming out, rumors, leaks from the inside about A person angry about B person. Uh, Jerry Jones starts waterboarding Mike McCarthy. I I don't know. The sky will be falling. Compared to the Los Angeles Chargers, who no one will really care. I, uh, you've never seen The Wire, Adam, have you? No. There's a great scene in that where Stringer Bell talks about a 40-degree day. And I'm going to refrain from saying certain words that he says in this uh, little thing that I cannot. But he talks about how, you know, it's a 40-degree day. He's like, 50-degree day? People are happy. People, you know, p- people like that. 60-degree day? People are out there practically barbecuing. Now, 20-degree day, people get upset. They get cold. get really cold. Is it 40-degree day? No one says anything. No one gives a shit about a 40-degree day. The Chargers every season are the epitome of a 40-degree day. <laughs> season goes middle of the road. No one cares.
0: Yeah, and every week, Justin Herbert plays well. So all of us that spend way too much time on football Twitter get to go. Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, but they never win anything. And everyone stops talking about them. That's a great analogy. Yeah. My
1: little thing I wrote down here says, Meanwhile, if Los Angeles Chargers lose, and then I put cut to video of tumbleweed rolling through SoFi Stadium, because <laughs> they have no fans. <laughs> they're a 40-degree day, bud.
0: That that game's going to be
1: sold out, right? Dallas fans travel, man. Oh, yeah, they're going to travel for that one. That's going to that's gonna be one of those games where you're going to hear the crowd noise and be like, oh, they're they're in L.A.? Yeah
0: so I am curious we'll see how Justin Herbert who is typically kind of a a statue I mean he can move but he's not Josh Allen he's not going to take off to get a first down very often we'll see him against Micah Parsons who obviously got eventually kind of hurt but got stopped pretty well against a dominant San Francisco team there's also they're depleted in their secondary I mean, our our boy Deron Bland. Yeah, our boy Deron Bland got hurt last game, so they're kind of depleting the secondary. So I think we could see a big Keenan Allen day. Pierce key in on that. But before we go further, Mike, I did want to get to our predictions for our game of the week. As we do, we both give our scoring predictions and give an overly specific prediction. And I am reiterating that now because I don't think you have notes on that, and I just wanted to give you time while I give mine. So, for a scoring prediction, I have the Chargers actually winning this game in a low-scoring, close game, which I think goes against the script most people are imagining. But we are talking about two incompetent coaches, so anything could happen. I have it at 21-19 in favor of the Chargers, with the Chargers obviously covering there because it is currently sitting at Dallas minus 2.5. Mike, what is your scoring prediction for this game?
1: I think... The defense of Dallas does play a good game, slows down the Chargers some. As you mentioned, the holes in the secondary could start to play a big fact, even bigger factor as the season goes on for this Dallas defense. I'm very down on Dak, so I'm going to say similar route. I'll say like
2: 24-17,
0: Chargers. So my overly specific prediction this week, last week, just to note, I did have George Kittle scoring two plus touchdowns and he scored three. Or was that two weeks ago? I can't remember.
1: I think it was last week. It was
0: last week. Okay. Yeah. So I had George Kittle scoring two plus touchdowns and he scored three. So good on me. Mike, I believe you had two defensive scores, which did not hit. (laughs) So this week, my overly specific prediction, I think Dallas will get the ball back at the end of the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game and they will simply run out of time due to mismanaging timeouts.
1: That was a great overly specific game or prediction. That is that is a very good one. Thank you. I'm going to stick with the defensive side of the ball again, and I'm going to say we're getting a three sack performance at a Nick Bosa. And That's
0: crazy because he plays for the 49ers. So. Oh, yeah, sorry.
1: I meant to say Joey Bosa. Thank you. I think we're finally going to get a big Joey Bosa game. Uh, all right, let's go crazy. I'll say two sacks. He does get a lot of pressure on Dak, and I'm going to say even one strip sack.
0: So you have Joey Bosa with a strip sack and another sack. Yes. All right, those are our overly specific predictions. Mike, how about we get some other games coming up this week? Yes, sir. I figure we'll just bounce back and forth here with some of our picks. Mm-hmm. So I'll go first. I have what I think is going to be a fascinating NFC West game. Cardinals at Rams. This line opened at Rams minus four and a half and now sits at Rams minus seven. The over-under is currently at forty-eight and a half. Mike, in this game, I'm watching for seeing if we can get a Cardinals bounce back game as they've either hung around or won every game up until their last couple of weeks. They lost their last two games by two scores each, but every game prior to that was at least a one score loss, if not a win. I do think there's something to be said about Petzing. Is that what the OC's name is in Arizona? But I think he looks legit. I think this offense has way outperformed expectations. And I also think Gannon keeps a pretty pretty good crew around. So I want to see if we get a bounce back because I think that those coaches might be going somewhere.
1: You're correct. Drew Petzing. There you go. So for this one, my little uh, headline underneath it was meh. Because the game just didn't jump out to me. However, since I wrote that, people, it's probably going to end up being like the game of the week, super
0: high scoring back and forth. I I don't know how you can met anything the Rams are involved in. They've been outrageously fun.
1: That's true. So I did color code this green. My game of the week I put in red. The other games I'm interested in, I put yellow. And then green is the game I kind of like betting wise. I really I kind of like that Arizona plus six and a half.
0: Yeah, I think this will probably end up being a one-score game. I think the Rams are getting a little inflated and the, the Cardinals a little deflated from what we've seen already. Uh, my favorite bet on this is Stafford passing over set at 277.5, and, and I honestly couldn't tell you which way that's going to go.
1: I like that. I think this Cardinals secondary is long, long removed from the days of Patrick Peterson and Tyra Matthew. It, it's not, not good.
0: Other things I'm looking forward to seeing in this game. More Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams. They're like must-watch TV right now. And also Cooper Cup, who last week, 12 targets, 118 yards.
1: So a game I got keyed in here. Let's go with this one in the 4 p.m. slate. New England versus Las Ve- or at Las Vegas. This, I know it's two not great teams, so most people are like, why are you looking forward to this? It, I'm looking forward to it all because of the, the off-the-field narratives. Bill Belichick his last two weeks is so confused. He's like, these things have never happened to me before. I don't even know. What is this putting up zero points and just getting totally dominated. This hasn't happened since the bills and, you know, two, two playoffs ago, (laughs) but he's just not used to it. And now it's crazy to hear, hear people even bring up the possibility of the Patriots making a call to get rid of Belichick. It's wild. And he's facing Josh McDaniels who has no good. At any stretch of time as a head coach, any good track record, except for basically seven games of his Denver stint, and then it all fell apart. And he's been bad ever since. I think if Bilicek gets his ass beat by McDaniels, he might either retire or he's going to end up in the, at the end of the night in a Vegas bar, just totally plastered with that girl who was grinding on Urban Meyer. It's going one of the other two ways if he loses this game bad to J- Josh McDaniels.
0: Yeah, so just to point out, first off, I desperately need someone to Photoshop Bill Belichick's head onto that clip. But the line set it: Raiders minus two and a half. Raiders are the favorite right now. Big revenge game week out of this one. McDaniel's revenge game, Jimmy G revenge game, Jacoby Myers revenge game. Big revenge game feel. Here's what I'm curious about in this game. What happens if the Raiders lose?
1: They fall to two and four, right?
0: Something like that, I'm sure. I feel like if the Raiders lose, they need to start accepting reality. We're not that good. Maybe we you should think start. That if, if they lose, do they fire McDaniels in season? Let Aiden O'Connell coach? <laughs> I, I don't know who their, their coordinators are.
1: <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't play well in that one game as a starter, So, but he's on your team talent alone, so now you're like, maybe he's a great coach. Those who can't do teach, I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen. D'Amico Ryan's is a great coach. Yeah, Mike Vrabel, great coach. Both had those guys suck as NFL players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some interesting. Uh, you you remember things in an interesting way for those men. I think D'Amico Ryan's won Rookie of the Year. I think the McDaniel situation. He did. That's a good point. Um, I think the Josh McDaniel situation. Two and four. They may not make that move real quick because it's kind of interesting if. They think they should have been, it's interesting, the McDaniels, if they think they should have been doing better at this point in the season, or they should be more competitive, and they keep that mentality, I could see them at some point deciding, McDaniels, you're out, because we're underperforming. But if they decide, you know what, we're just not a good team this year, let's go ahead and hopefully lose more games, get a good draft pick, then they'll probably just keep McDaniels till the
0: end of the season. That segues excellently into my other question about what happens if the Raiders lose. Do they trade Devontae? If they lose and they're like, "Let's get a good draft out of this year, let's trade Devonte. Mm-hmm. If you're looking up his contract, I can tell ya you, he's restructured, so he has an out in two seasons before a sixteen million a year kicks in without a ton of dead cap. So they can't just cut him. Yeah. And w- what? Mike, who have we talked about so far today that could really use a wide receiver
1: The Chiefs? The no, Chiefs. no, no, no. Don't even talk about it. It's not fair. It can't happen.
0: What if they trade Devontae to the Chiefs?
1: I mean, that's Alright, I don't want to go this far because it could sound blasphemous, but that could see that could be like the biggest thing since Moss to the Patriots, where it was like, oh shit, Brady has the best wide receiver he's ever had, and then they just torch the entire NFL. That could be the closest thing we see. I mean, Devontae Adams, plus Kelsey in the middle. I mean, defenses. I mean, all of a sudden, I could see Sky Moore and Tony getting good, like putting up good days because those guys are just demanding so much attention. Like, how do you defend? Devonte Adams is such a well-rounded, all-around receiver. He's not a gimmick receiver like diary kill That would just not be fair to the rest of the NFL.
0: Yeah, I, that's that's the argument against it, right? This team specifically traded away Tyreek because they refused to spend premium money on wide receiver. But look at how bad their wide receivers have looked this season. Maybe they've they've overreached. I mean, they they got away with it and won a Super Bowl, obviously. But if I'm sitting in that Chiefs front office, looking at how the season has looked so far, looking at those guys are seeing more of the Chiefs than you and I ever will, thinking to myself, does one receiver put us over the top? And I think it does.
1: And not to go back to the Chiefs too much, because we talked about them already a lot, but... Not paying Tyreek was smart. That defense, what they've done with it now, is they're pretty good. They really got their offensive line in a much better position than it was at one point. And you can can find weapons in the draft. It can just kind of be very hit or miss on how they turn out, as we've seen.
0: All right. Well, like you said, probably probably getting too in the weeds when we've been talking about the Chiefs for eight minutes of our preview Mm -hmm. for the Raiders Patriots. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I'll go next. My game? Next up. Saints at Texans. It's a a game to watch. Other games, as I have listed here. Currently sitting at Texans plus 2.5 with an over-under of 42.5. What I'm watching for in this game, Mike? Stroud versus the Saints defense. We still have yet to see the fabled C.J. Stroud pick. Saints have caused seven turnovers so far. 1.4 picks per game. Stroud! You know he's the only quarterback to go his entire career without throwing an interception? I heard something about this. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, this is definitely like like if you do the quad box, this is a quad box game because who the fuck wants to watch the other side of this? Who wants to watch the Saints' offense against this Houston defense?
1: In general, for me, when I'm looking at the games going on, the Saints got to be in a, a – like this is a good one because I'm Stroud Crowd all the way. Stroud Crowd? This is one I'd want to watch and pay attention attention to. Usually, Saints games, I'm just like Derek Carr. He's like the epitome of a meh quarterback. No offense, Derek, but they. I mean, Michael Thomas, not what he once was. Having a solid year, though. I feel I could be yeah. totally off. Yeah, um, solid comeback year. But the Saints just don't jump out as a really exciting team. This is another one, though. The way this is working out, that I actually also had in green. I'm a I'm a big fan of these Texans as. Has been on record throughout this podcast. Plus 108 money line. I like that. Or if you want to even get uh, friskier, let's take a look here. And you could alt spread them down to, let's say you do a little two and a half ski, field goal difference, plus
0: 130. I definitely like that more than betting Texans plus two and a half. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this game's going to hit the over because the Saints team has a very good defense. But I do like, I, I, I just like the Texans, man. I, I'm, so, I'm so biased at this point. Just, I just want to see CJ Stroud succeed and never throw an interception and just be the best quarterback of all time.
1: The CJ Stroud interception is like Bigfoot. Does it really <laughs> exist? We're not sure.
0: I do think this is the week that we see the Stroud pick. I cover this on the Team Talent Alone article this week. The odds on Stroud to throw an interception so every week, that, that prop for just about every quarterback, the over-under is set at half, 0.5. It's will he throw an interception or will he not throw an interception? And the odds on the under for CJ Stroud interceptions have just been plummeting. Mm-hmm. It started like week one at like plus 175 over 0.5 interceptions. And as of last week, it was down to like minus 150. Damn. Like Vegas is in on it. But at some point, it's got to happen. And this might be the week. Yeah. The other part I'm looking forward to seeing here, uh, I just like Bobby Sloak offenses. I just like seeing them work. I mean, can't talk enough about how great C.J. Stroud has been, throwing throwing routes into their breaks, throwing receivers open, making the right decision, reading left to right and then back again. But really, Bobby Sloak deserves some credit here. I mean, the guy's running just crazy sets with players that you don't know what they're going to do. You know, they'll have sets with... A, like a, a two back wing set with Devin Singletary and tank Dell in the background. That'll be play action. And the pass will go to like fucking who's their tight end. The guy that uh, Schultz Dalton Schultz,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the pass will go like Dalton Schultz over the middle, but it's just been a great combination between CJ Stroud and Bobby Sloak. So just want to keep seeing that.
2: This will be, we saw last
1: week against Atlanta like Stroud didn't have anywhere close to a bad day, but it wasn't as great of a day he's had some in some prior weeks. This will be a huge, like, oh, shit, this Stroud dude is cooking. Because this Saints defense, I think Damian Pierce is once again just going to be a non-factor against a pretty good Saints run defense. And then you go, to, all right, Stroud, we're going to need you to throw it more. And now you're going into possibly the even stronger part of the Saints defense in their coverage. So if he, if he cooks in this one, then, whew, Stroud crowd, baby. Franchise QB for life. Franchise QB,
0: baby. (laughs) All right, Mike, you want to give me your next game here?
1: Yeah, I kind of think Minnesota at Chicago is a little interesting. Basically, the basement battle of the NFC North. Is Chicago going to become the first 0-4 team to come back and win a Super Bowl? I don't know. (laughs) Every Chicago game, if Fields keeps playing this way, is going to be fun to watch just for that fact of, is this really Justin Fields? Did all of a sudden something click? Did a puzzle piece get put into place and he just saw the light and now he's this guy? Um, So that's fun. Plus you have Minnesota who's in that position of, God, this is not going well. We're losing these one-score games. Where do we go? Do we trade Kirk Cousins? One year left on his deal? There's some QB needy teams like a... Jets obviously are the first one that come to mind to make that deal and and upgrade at quarterback. If they want to contend this year, which was the plan. Minnesota loses here. I think it's time to start selling the farm may have been time to start selling the farm like a week or two ago, but you know, no, Justin Jefferson, not great.
0: Yeah. That's, that's my big note here is I think that if you were going to sell the farm, kind of like we were talking about with James Harden at the top, this is a bad week to decide to do it. Because Kirk Cousins is not going to look good. Mm-mm. Like, even against a bad Bears secondary, he's still going to be throwing to K.J. Osborne and Jordan Addison. Like, that's not- his receivers he's throwing to.
1: Yeah, and Addison, I think has been having, last game he didn't factor in. Prior to that, I thought he was having a pretty good rookie season, but mm-hmm. without Justin Jefferson on the field, life is going to get a lot harder for
0: the young yeah, man. it's Juju Smith-Schuster syndrome. Without yeah, Antonio exactly. Brown around, you're just, a jag yeah but line sitting at vikes minus three i like the bears on that i like the bears plus three i think that we see fields light it up again and it kind of points out the problem with nfl seasons and making assumptions is this just all small sample you know it's the meme with the astronaut with the gun to the other guy's the back of the other guy's head and the guy's looking Mm -hmm. at earth he's like wait the whole thing's made out of small sample size always Always was (laughs) always has been (laughs) So I think we see Fields light it up again, and then the question becomes: Is he for real or not? Because this, if he lights it up here, that'll be three terrible secondaries in a row he's lit it up against between Denver, who only have Pat Sertan, the Commanders, who we've gone over exhaustively in this podcast, and the Bear or the the Vikings, who are still running out 95-year-old Harrison Smith in their secondary. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh...
1: What's up? Oh, no. I was going to say, that's an interesting point. The the, the defenses. Vikings aren't great. He goes to the Raiders next week.
0: Which, once again, not much of a secondary there. So we could see him light it up four weeks in a row, and still, those of us who rise above the cult of Twitter Mm -hmm. have to ask a question. Is he good? Even if he does it four weeks in a row, let's see him play a real secondary again.
1: Yeah. So to correct one thing, he's at home against the Raiders. The following week, he goes to L.A., Another struggling, struggling so defense, struggling
0: secondary. Yeah.
1: Now, after that, November fifth, similar to what his Ohio State brethren is facing this week, he has to go to the Superdome to play the Saints. So that could be a good, uh, a good heat check moment.
0: Yeah, that'll be the heat check game if we see him continue to light people up. Because you know what? Talk about betting angles on this. If he, if they go like two and three in their next three games and are going into the Saints. They're going to be so inflated going up Mm -hmm. against the first stout defense they faced in over a month. But I'm with you on if the Vikings lose here, do we see Cousins moved? And it'll be selling low because he's going to be, this will be his worst game of the season. I mean, he doesn't have a cheat code running around as an X receiver this week. All right, Mike, my last game this week that I have picked, Lions at Bucks. Currently... Well, the opening line on this was Lions minus three and a half. Now it says the Lions minus three. The over under open at forty-five and a half. It's now down to 42. Hammer the over, baby. Mm-hmm. What I'm watching for is Ben Johnson, who's quickly becoming the favorite to be the head coach of the New York Jets come next season. He has just gotten the absolute most out of Jared Goff. And huge disclaimer before I go into the numbers here. This is September and October Goff. Jared Goff has always performed better at the start of the season because he's got tiny little baby hands. And once it gets cold, it gets harder to have tiny little baby hands. But so far in the season, it's his highest graded season by PFF sitting at a 90.6 overall grade. His previously high for a full season was 84.3 in Sean McVay's first season. The other thing I'm excited about on this offense, Sammy Legitta. Keep rolling, baby. If he plays. He's questionable. So if he plays, Keep rolling, Samuel Legitta. Baby Gronk. Just the
1: new Gronk. Gronk 2.0, baby. Laporta just has a little bit less muscle
0: definition. Yeah. And a lot more brain. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Sam Laporta might be an idiot. Who knows? <laughs> the other thing I'm watching for here is Detroit's defensive stars. Like, they're close to being stars, but they're not quite stars. Brian Branch is out for this game, so don't count him. But Aiden Hutchinson, who's having himself quite a season, still leads the league in pressures. Climbing those sack ratings. How he has an interception somehow. The other person I like watching, Alex Anzalone. Their Mike Linebacker. Kind of the uh, Clay Matthews of this team. Because he's a white guy with long hair. But he's been awesome. I mean, he is he is hitting his gaps and stopping the run. He's been great breaking up passes. He, when they have him come in on the rush, he's been getting home, causing pressures. Just, in general, being a disruptive presence. From the linebacking group, uh, and at some point I should probably talk about the Bucks on here, but I won't. I'm just going to talk about Detroit. Mike, you got any storylines or any notes on this game?
1: Yeah. So real quick to mention uh, what you just said about the Bucks, I put that I'm pretty sure the Bucks are three and one because they catch they catch teams so off guard because most teams forgot the Bucks even exist. They're just like a very forgetful team this year. That, that it's just one of those things, but I, I agree. This is going to be a good one to watch for one reason. I love this Lions team, I love Laporta, Amun Ra, Jameer Gibbs. If they get Jameson Williams going, you, I think this offense could just be humming. Um, Josh Reynolds having a great year, it's just a very fun team to watch, and also a big thing is their, their defense, like as the season's gone on, it's ramping up. It's been getting better and it doesn't take the number one overall defense to make a big playoff run. I think it takes a good defense with some impact players, guys like Brian branch and guys like Aiden Hutchinson, who has become just a super fun person to watch on the uh, pass rush.
0: So injury report wise, Brian branch is out Jameer Gibbs is out. Ooh. Uh, besides that, just some, some random people in here. Uh, Johan Jackson, who's their They're one of their guards. James Mitchell's out, and Sam Laporte is still questionable. But if, if Laporta plays, this is going to be just a, another big-time Sammy L game. Sammy Legitta.
1: That would be so Bucks for them to have a bunch. The Lions have a bunch of key injuries in the Bucks ball to win, and it's just literally the 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 uh, Breaking Bad gif of, like, you can't keep getting away with this <laughs> when it comes to the Bucks winning games. I also went ahead and threw green on this one. Because even with some of those injuries, I still like Detroit minus three.
0: I just say bet the over in this one, man. 42. Uh-huh. Like, Baker Mayfield's been weirdly good. And there's still Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the other side of the ball there. Then for Detroit, they've been cooking on offense. It's in Tampa Bay. So it's not going to be cold. So baby hands Goff will be able to throw the ball still. David Montgomery has been cooking like just just bet the over in this game
1: yeah and also I take that back I don't I think there could still be like you said over some money to be made um I broke one of my key rules there because I hate never bet solid numbers if you're gonna take the spread
0: what do you mean you just hate to push
1: yeah don't I mean that's true it's like a way to hedge your bet and be like, oh, I, I could push, get my money back. Or if, I'm, if it's in a parlay, I could push. And then they just take those odds out of it on FanDuel. But I mean, bump it up. What? Lions, you can go ahead and just bump that up by half a point to three and a half. And now you're in plus money at, my, at plus 106. Just do that.
0: See, but then you're betting above key numbers. Be a man. <laughs> be a man. You won't bet a solid number because you don't like pushes.
1: Be a man.
0: They can I'm win like, by I'm four. I'm either going to lose money or win it. There's no way I'm getting my own money back.
1: They can beat the Bucks by four. I think they can beat the Bucs by four. All I, mean, right, now well-
0: I really hope they beat them by three. <laughs> All right.
1: Want me to throw out my next game real quick? Yep. So, a little bit of a homer pick. I, I said Giants-Buffalo. It's not going to be a great game to watch, but it's upsetting because it should feel like a better game. Dabble's returning which I wish felt bigger. I wish this Giants defense was actually, or Giants offense was actually good. Uh, and then it's actually funny that it turns out it's going to be the Tyrod Taylor revenge game, possibly. It's uh, oh, pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. DJ is out. So we got Tyrod and Davil coming back to Buffalo. Tyrod was obviously the QB when we finally ended the drought and got to the playoffs, so. There's love around here for Tarod, I'm sorry. Dorsey, if you lose this game, we're going to have problems. If the former OC comes in with his backup quarterback, a paper offensive line, and a bunch of unproven receivers outside
2: of Wandale Robinson, we're going to have a problem.
0: Like you said, this is the Brian Dayball revenge game. And the only way he can really get revenge, I think, is if he manages to beat the spread. Fifteen and a half. Bill's flying back from London. I was really looking for anything I could find. I guess. I guess Tarot is a, right now is an improvement over Daniel Jones, how he's been playing. Mm-hmm. But fuck, man, this Giants team's so bad. It's so bad. Like I can't even convincingly say take Giants plus fifteen and a half. Which is a massive spread, and by far the biggest this week. Is like the this Giants team is just fucking terrible, man.
1: Yeah, I was one of them who I think I inflated them going into the season. I thought because of the weapons DJ had and Brian Dable being a good offensive mind,
0: they could have another good season. So, okay, Isaiah Hodgins was cut from the Bills practice squad. He they tried to they tried to trade. No one would take Darius Layton for a seventh last season.
1: Yeah, like, Darius Slayton isn't good. But, obviously, all transfer team offense, I love Wandale Robinson and what he can do. Jalen Hyatt, I've been super high on, but they never want to play him and try to use his ability to stretch the field. Not that it would matter, because then you'd have to wait a second to throw the ball, and this offensive line is terrible. That's part of the reason, I mean, DJ's not a great QB, exactly, but he's also just getting the shit kicked out of him.
0: Wandale Robinson, in his career, has 37 receptions for 306 yards. He didn't play a full
1: season last year. He's only played a couple of games, and they've been taking it easy with him because he's coming off an ACL. Tell that. Hold that coming out from my boy Wandale.
2: A oh, whole
0: weapons. Eight. Saquon's not even playing.
1: Yeah. Whoops. Eric Gray. TV's Eric Gray is about to cook. The, Sooner, the former Sooner, he just saw the Red River Showdown last week. He's amped up, ready to go. Boomer Sooner, baby.
0: Yeah, I am Bill's blown wet, away <laughs> that you liked their weapons coming into the season. What, the big Darren Waller guy? No, not really. And once again, throwing to all of those just outstanding, star-studded, all-pro weapons is Daniel fucking Jones, who they, for some reason, started paying $19 million a year to.
1: Anything else on this game? I, I have a couple more games I don't want to... like. Really, we don't have to go in-depth on them, but I just wanted to point them out real quick.
0: Uh, I just can't wait to tweet out when I post this podcast that it's brought to you by the guy who believed in the Giants' weapons.
1: No, don't out me. <laughs> so, I got two. stay the fuck away from them games while I've been making some betting points. The first one is... Philly Jets. I, I can't get a, a feel on that one. Great Jets defense. Zach Wilson has had a couple. Uh, one really good game in one game where he didn't do anything super detrimental last week. And then Philly, you just can't get a gauge on him. I think they've had one game where they won by two scores so far this season.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Yeah, it's been pr- pretty surprising. So stay the fuck away from that one. Although also, I
0: will say their one game they won by two scores was their last game.
1: Oh, then they have. I think they have two, two score wins. Then okay, so yeah, they won the last one by eleven, and then they beat where was it? Oh, they beat Bucks by fourteen. And then, this
0: will be a big Javon Hart, not yeah. Javon Hargrave. That he doesn't play there anymore. Uh, Baby Rhino, the fuck's his name?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Jalen Carter.
0: Jalen Carter. Yeah, Javon Hargrave's on the Forty ers now. It'll be a big Jalen Carter game. That mm-hmm. Jets offensive line is terrible.
1: Yeah. Minus six and a half. Like, I could see the defense making this unnecessarily close. So the Jets I want, defense.
0: I, you know what? You cowards at FanDuel, give me an over-under on QB Cheeks this game.
1: Right? That should be a prop now. I'll take over two and a half QB Cheeks. Surprisingly, all from Zach Wilson, and they're on third and ten. <laughs> <laughs> And Then my other stay-the-fuck-away game is yay, more London. Let's just end this stupid London shit. I'm totally against it now because the Bills went to London and lost. It's wrong. Uh, I had two notes Drunk. under this. Ravens versus Titans. I think the spread's four and a half right now in favor of the Ravens. I had two notes. One was stay-the-fuck-away from, from that line because I don't... These teams are another two where I'm like, I don't even know anymore. And then I wrote boring. This is might be the most boring game on the slate. And keep in mind, Niners, Niners, Cleveland's going to be a shit, sh- like a total trouncing, I think. But at least
0: you can watch the Niners execute. Also, that that Niners Cleveland game is going to be like in bad weather too. Oh boy, big big McCaffrey. Uh Browns defense is really good. Oh, and PJ Walker's playing that game. Oh yikes! <laughs> what
1: happened to Dorian Thompson Robinson? he was bad. No, that's right. Uh, this could be a good week to gain some points for my priors. Because Carolina is going to get blown out by Miami and Bryce Young garbage time, baby. Let's get those stats.
0: (laughs) I think Jalen Ramsey comes back this week. He's a fucking bum. Jalen Ramsey's a fucking bum.
1: (laughs) He's a bum who cannot has no. He's a bum who can't scout a quarterback. Let's just say that.
0: Hey, did you really like Carolina's weapons going into the season?
1: I will have, you know, Thielen has been his hands have been on fire. What about the rest of his body? The has been having a solid year. I, it might be because like who else are you gonna throw it to, really? Yeah, DJ Chark. <laughs> yeah, the Chark. Tommy like... Trimble. Also, no Miles Sanders here, so Carolina. I'll be young, baby.
0: Cuba Hubbard.
1: I'll Bryce young, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, can't wait for Bradley Chubb to snap him in half and then we get to trot out more Andy Dalton. How were we what, what were we talking about before that? What was the game we were talking about? Oh, the London game yeah (laughs) yeah thank you I want to personally thank Roger Goodell for putting this game in London so I don't really have to worry about making sure that I'm awake for it really not you're right boring uh right up and this is boring I I will say Lamar Jackson is on team Townland, but this is boring right up until I checked the box score 15 minutes into the game and Somehow, Lamar Jackson already has a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. And then I got to tune in to watch Zay Flowers cook.
1: Yeah. It, it could. There's potential the Ravens just like totally blow out the Titans. But they've been just, once again, so weird, especially offensively. It's like it's not
0: quite clicking. Ravens, Harry Potter could be made to play well in London. That's all I'm saying. Ravenclaw, Claw. Oh, Ravenclaw, yeah. there you go. I knew there was some connection there. Yeah. All right, Mike, any other games you want to go through here?
1: Oh no. But hey, anybody saying we didn't we're not putting enough time into previewing next week? We did it this week.
0: We did do it this week. All right. Be sure to go back and check out our NBA over under pod. It is the previous podcast on this feed where we go through our top five over-unders and our top five futures for the NBA season each for a total of 20 of those bets that we like. Check out on Saturday. First edition came out yesterday on Friday. <laughs> That's what I thought when we first named this <laughs> call it on Saturday. I'm like, I like the name. It's going to be real weird when we put it out on Friday every week.
1: That's not the plan going forward. I will, I'm going to try to get it out definitely sooner going uh, in the coming weeks.
0: So On, Fr- on, S- or on Saturday is going to come out on Wednesdays. Monday would be great. So on Saturday, will come out on Monday.
1: That That's the hope. I mean, I can start working on it, obviously, during the game. This is stuff we can talk about after the podcast.
0: So check out On Saturday. came out on Friday. But the article is called On Saturday. But it came out on Friday. Yes. It's uh, and- Mike's, Mike's magnum opus where he talks about the week that was and the week that will be of college football, including Twitter highlights and betting and things of that nature. Also check out Team Town Alone, is our weekly article where we go over the NFL action. Coming up starting next Saturday, that is a week from today. That is on Saturday a week from today, but not on Saturday the article on Saturday the day a week from today. It'll be our first basky pod. i will be on October 21st as we discovered earlier in this podcast. And uh, yeah, be sure to tune in for all other things Town Alone. We are going to be up to three podcasts a week that someone's got to edit, so <laughs> dead air. I was waiting for you to do something. I <laughs> yeah. know what I'm talking.
1: Obviously, check out on Saturday and Team Town Alone are two kind of recurring articles going forward. All the podcast, Follow us on all social media platforms. And I don't know. I kind of want to start figuring out what my next tankology topic is going to be. So. Ooh. Basketball season starting. Maybe I can do it. Ah, but My last one was basketball.
0: We'll see. Could do a Markel Foltz Tankology.
1: That's that was a heavy tank. Just some of the nah, process, I, man.
0: Gotta get some of the yeah, process in there.
1: I'm eventually gonna have to do the process, and that is going to be a
0: process to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I called on Saturday your magnum opus. Wait until you read Tankology, the process. Gonna be a fucking novel. All right, Mike, only one more thing to hit here before we get out. Shout outs to BCF. BCF. Big cop fox. <laughs>